Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the DDP, the Deeper Daily Podcast. Every day we go a little deeper into the Word. I'm Paul White. It's the fifth day of July, and it is our journey into the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, I want to remind you that we do not, if you've been looking for the Ephesian studies, we do not have our Ephesian study for the last, for today or for last week. We took a couple of weeks off due to travel. It's summertime. It's a little difficult uh, to get everything squeezed in and be gone every weekend, so we had to cancel for a couple of Tuesdays, but we plan on being back at it next week. So we will reconvene on the 11th of July for the studies in Ephesians. They will post on the 12th. So if you're looking for them, just want to give you a little heads up as to why you have been unable to find them. We are not. We haven't stopped. We've just been a bit on a hiatus. And when we get back to it next week, we'll be heading into the final chapter of the epistle to the Ephesians. Of course, that'll take us several weeks to do because this one is a loaded chapter with that whole armor of God passage. So hope you'll jump in on that study starting back up next week. Use this little downtime to catch up if you haven't. Studies in Ephesians are on our website, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And also, there's a whole list of them, a whole playlist of them. At our YouTube channel, PWM, go subscribe. Mark chapter 12, verse 19. This is the Sadducees talking, and they say this to Jesus. Teacher, I'm going to go ahead and read their whole story. It takes up several verses. They've got this sort of long, convoluted story they're making up. Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died, and he left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died, nor did he leave any offspring. And the third likewise. So the seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. This is verses 19 to 23 from Mark 12. Now, based on what you know, From yesterday's podcast about Sadducees, you can almost hear the sarcasm in their voice in verse 23. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? Because the Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection. So we know that first and foremost, because they don't believe in the resurrection, this is not a question in which they are trying to get a sound biblical interpretation, but they are arming the scriptures... To fit their theology, they are arguing using, quote-unquote, the Bible, okay? Because Moses does indeed give the law of Leverett marriage or what is often called the law of the kinsman redeemer. He lays this out for your own reference. You can go to Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 to 10. This is the provision for a family line to be perpetuated by the nearest of kin in the event of premature death. If you want to see it in action, go to the little book of Ruth. Ruth exists for many reasons, not the least of which is to show you a full color example of kinsman redemption in the works. Another reason, of course, is to advance the Davidic line. 
Another reason is to show grace to Gentiles. Another reason is to show Christ as the Boaz. There's, you can preach a lot of stuff through the little book of Ruth. One of the things you can't miss, even if you don't know how to bring it to Jesus, is you can't miss the law of kinsman redeemer. There's an Israelite man who goes into a foreign country and he marries a foreigner. And before they can have a child, he dies. And the girl goes back to Israel with her mother-in-law. And when she gets there, she just goes to get a job, work in the field. She's a field hand picking up scraps, and she ends up in the field of a, of a man named Boaz. And come to find out, lo and behold, he's a kinsman. He's the, near, he's the second nearest kinsman. We even got this scene where he goes to the gate and talks to her nearer kinsman who doesn't want to marry her, and he buys out the rights to marry her, and then, of course... The book concludes with them having a child. The genealogy leads all the way through David. So this is real. This is biblical. They're not making. They're making up a story, but they're not making up an, a theological problem. Um, also, and I've not ever really heard anybody bring this out. So that means probably that I'm not onto something because <laughs> I haven't heard anybody else say it. But it also. Um, is the kind of thing that intrigues me. And that's the fact that they actually go to great lengths to make it a man, a woman had seven, a guy had seven brothers, which is an interesting amount. Why seven? Why didn't they just go there was three brothers or there was, you know, two brothers and a cousin? Because all they got to do is be in the nearest kinsman. But by using seven, they seem to be pointing to the Jewish number for for perfection or fulfillment. So they're trying to add some authenticity of holiness to their question, which of course is a super snarky question. Jesus answers in verse 24, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? Not the best, um, probably not the best translation from Greek. He kind of asked, "Is uh, let me? Isn't this the reason you guys are wrong? The reason you're wrong is that you don't understand what you're reading, and you don't understand the power of God." I'll I'll, I'll try to wrap this verse today. We we because we're not answering the question. Of course, we're just starting to answer. That's how Jesus handles it. He starts to answer it, and he starts with this interesting thing about the power of God because. The power of God is an ongoing work of God. And God's ongoing work can't just be looked back on. It must be looked forward to. We are not talking about God's power in the past. We are talking about God's power in the present and the future. We we love to talk about what God did, but Jesus says you guys don't understand the power of God. This is his way of saying you have limited God's power to death. That he's done once you die. And you should see God's power as an ever ongoing futuristic manifestation. Including, and I think this is what Jesus is saying, including resurrection. And I think it's it's something we ought to think about. Because I'm very accustomed to a gospel message that limits God's ability to work on man up until he's dead. And then, no, he can't do anything because you missed your chance. And I don't know 
that Jesus wouldn't say to us, you don't understand the power of God. I leave you with that thought today, and I want to give you a heads up that we're going to borrow Luke's version of this story tomorrow when we get to the meat of the answer, because it's powerful. And we'll see you then. God bless.